In order to retire successfully, you'll need vision. You'll also need a plan to execute that vision. Welcome to Retirement Pathfinder with Barbara Lane and Phil Gusky. On today's show, we'll give you the tools you need to navigate unique challenges you'll face in retirement. It's time to chart your financial future. Retirement Pathfinder starts now. Well, hello and welcome in to the Retirement Pathfinder. I'm Ben George alongside Barbara Lane and Phil Gusky over at Pathfinder Wealth Management in Rockford, Illinois. We got a good show for you coming up. Going to open up the mailbag once again. Find out what's on your mind. Get your questions answered from the financial professionals. But first, Barbara and Phil, welcome in. We want to start with the Secure Act 2.0, which was just passed. You might not even seen it because it kind of passed right during the holidays, end of the year, 2022. And now everybody's processing all these changes and there are quite a few. Yeah, it's funny, Ben. Yes, it was uh, last weekend in December that all of this was passed. It's called the Secure 2.0 Act. And this is to help employees' retirement savings. So there's a number of provisions that took place. So we're going to cover just a few here. One of the things that is probably most important for our listeners is the required minimum distribution age uh, was 72. But if you have not begun taking distributions from your IRA when you're required to, now that has changed to age 73. So again, age 73 is the first age you have to begin taking Uh, And then they have increased the catch-up contributions under either retirement plan, like a 401k or a 403b or an IRA plan. In 2023, the retirement catch-up contribution limit for those over age 50 is $7,500. Under 50, it's $6,500. So it's still $500 more than it was last year. So what that means is uh, if you're under age 50, you can contribute up to $22,500 in a retirement plan Plus the catch-up provision, if over age 50, uh, 7,500, you can contribute uh, 70, You can contribute $30,000 in wow. a retirement plan this year, which is pretty substantial. It is, it's yes. Increased last year um, from 27,000. They've also expanded Roth contributions. This has been a long time coming as far as I'm concerned. I don't know why they weren't allowed in these retirement plans, but now they are allowed in simple and SEP IRA plans. And then you had a couple, too, that you had ran into, Phil. Yeah, yeah. There's uh, something called the 529 plan, which is an educational funding plan that uh, many of our our folks have, uh, you know, for education for the kids. And, uh, you know, you have to use it during the children's lifetimes. Well, what they've done is they've changed that somewhat so that now if they're not used for educational purposes, maybe the kids uh, didn't go to college or go on to uh, vocational school or whatever, and uh, the, the funds weren't used, they just sit there. Uh, rather than it coming out later on uh, as a taxable event to the parents, you can roll it into a Roth IRA for the beneficiaries of the plan, which is really something new. And I think that's uh, that's very, mm-hmm. very effective. Um, there's a maximum limit on it uh, for rollover of $35,000 during their lifetime. And uh, the plan must have been in place for 15 years for this to occur. And a number of clients do have those, those lengths of time. Mm-hmm. Okay. The other thing is, too, is that... Um, uh, they have made uh, automatic enrollment for all employees. About time. Yes, that's right. In fact, uh, now if you hire in with a firm and you're eligible for a 401k or a 403b, uh, plan participants are automatically enrolled in the plan once they are eligible. And so they have to uh, participate for a 3% withdrawal and placement into their 401k or 403b. And each year, the contributions will increase by 1% until they get up to a goal of 10%. 
and it's not to exceed a maximum of 15%. I think this is an this is really a good thing, Barb. Absolutely. It's a long time coming. You know, with no pensions anymore, Phil, people are, sorry, I think, are just not, they're just really not aware of what it's going to take to for retirement for them to actually walk away from a job someday. Right. This forces their hand, really. They have mm-hmm. to do it. And I think it's a good thing uh, because there are so many people that we see that retire on just Social Security alone. Right. Yeah. Another thing that we have to look at here that was a change is the reduction in RMD excise tax. So we all know that at some point down the road, we have to take that required minimum distribution. Barb just explained it for those that aren't taking it right now. It's been expanded to age 73. And I guess in 10 years, it goes to age 75. Right. By 2033. Yeah. Yeah. Which is, you know, probably not going to affect most of the people that we're talking to. But in any event, uh, you have to take your RMD. And if you don't take the uh, specified amount, and the government finds out about it, there is an excise or a penalty tax of 50%. That's what it's been. Well, under the new SECURE Act, uh, that's been reduced to 25%. Whoopee! Yeah. The only 25%. Yeah. <laughs> it, basically, what it is, it's a, it's a penalty to uh, enforce the, the rules to take the money out when you're supposed to. And uh, it doesn't happen very often, but every now and then this slides by and, and people are caught. So Yeah, we watch it pretty penalty. closely. Yep, yep. Well, there you go. That's SECURE Act. 2.0. Yeah. And I know this is, there's a lot, as you kind of pointed out, there's a lot in this. So um, anybody that hasn't had a chance to catch up on this, hopefully this update provides you a little bit more about what you need to be paying attention to. But I guess anyone, I'm sure you're talking to all your clients right now, right uh, at the beginning of the year, just to kind of review what's out there and just to see individually what might be applied to to their plan. Yes, exactly. Yeah. There's uh, there's, especially when it comes to RMDs, we have a lot of folks that are uh, in the uh, post-retirement stage right now, Ben, where, you know, they think they, they it's a lot of them still think they have to take out at age 70. Right. Or 70 or and, and a yeah. half. Right. And so uh, that's been changed. It's been a couple of years now. So, you know, this is good news and bad news. I mean, the bad news part of it is that if you don't take out, it still accumulates and you'll have much more to take out at age 73. So the tax might be a little bit higher at that point, but there's ways around that too. Yeah, but then people are living so much longer that I'm, I'm not surprised that they finally increased that to, you know, several years down the road, but age 75. I mean, if you think about it, people are going to be living, or not living, but working way past age Well, 70. you know, yes. In fact, uh, really, there's there's been talk in Congress recently about uh, having an un- unlimited age, you know, where you have to, you just take out when you need to. There's no required minimum age. Hmm. Some of the, uh, some of the, uh, there's some push about that in Congress because people say, hey, uh, they're going to need this money at some point or another. So they might as well decide for themselves when they need it. Yeah. Depending on what taxes are too, if they could be, could make sense for them to take out money today to save on taxes in the future. Again. Well, yeah. And not only that, but the government's going to get their money one way or right. another, anyhow, whether it's hmm. going to be during their lifetime or their children's lifetime. So why does, you know, a minimum age make sense? It doesn't really. So now, the 10 year plan, you know, once they get rid of the stretch IRA. Right. Yep. I yeah. agree. Well, there's some good stuff in there, but uh, definitely something to take a look at and review with your advisor if you haven't done that already. All right. So let's jump up the mailbag um, and get a few questions here that have come into the show. And again, if you have questions for Barbara and Phil, best place to start is pathfinderchat.com. All right. First question today is from Jacqueline. It says, I'm about to sell a farm that I inherited, which will bring me quite a large sum of money. Should I use this money to pay off my house or just invest the money and use that investment income to pay my mortgages for me? Well, the the, the parents died. That's good, right? No, yeah, that's that bad. that's bad. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, we're we're kind of referring to a previous uh, episode we did on on a comedic approach, but. 
Thanks for asking the question, Jacqueline, because it seems that uh, this is more typical concerning inheriting money from the baby boomer generation each day, right? Uh, more baby boomers are turning 65. In fact, uh, we used to say that 10,000 baby boomers are turning age 65 every day, and it's still mm -hmm. true and will remain so uh, for the next few years. But here's the other thing to take in consideration. There's 5,500 dying daily. Daily. Daily, yes. Yeah. Well, that sounds kind of depressing, doesn't it? But the good news is there's 59 million of us still around <laughs> at this point, so that's good. Anyway, to get back to Jacqueline's question, we must ask some very basic planning questions of, of her before we get started and, and give her a qualified answer. Number one, will there be taxes due from the sale of the farm? You know, there might not have been taxes due when she inherited the farm, but if she's held it for any amount of time and then she sells it, there could be an increase, you know, in, in the farm value. And so the difference between what she inherited it at that particular value and what she sells it at could, in fact, generate a tax. Mm -hmm. So if there is a tax, what will be the net amount of income she gets or net amount of, of lump sum value she gets? Here's, a, here's another one. Do you own any assets besides the expected inheritance? That's important to know. Uh, number four, what source of income do you presently have? Do you have a pension? Do you have a uh, Social Security you're drawing on? Uh, do you have money coming from investments of various sources? How about other inheritance money? And lastly, what are the terms of your current mortgage? So generally speaking, Ben, I'm not a big advocate of paying off a mortgage, especially mm -hmm. if you have a low interest rate and adequate cash flow. Those are the two keys you have to have, low interest rate and adequate cash flow. You know, it might be best to consider this good debt uh, that you might want to preserve, knowing that you can pay it off anytime you want. You know, if you get up in the middle of the night, Barb, with a cold sweat saying, hey, I can't stand paying this mortgage. I got to pay it off. Yeah. Regardless of the numbers, you know, please pay it off. You right. know, you don't want to owe any people money. That's fine. But I am a promoter of using what we call financial leverage in certain situations. So an inheritance is uh, like Jacqueline is getting. That's that only comes maybe once in a lifetime. Right. Yeah. So I would view this as as her money machine that could potentially produce greater and greater income in the future. So, but but absent the details, I am very cautious to make any recommendations until we have an opportunity to look under the hood of her financial situation. So Jacqueline or anybody else who has the opportunity to inherit in the future, you're certainly welcome to give us a call. And we could give you some ideas, some tips. And more importantly, show you where the traps are at, because the worst trap you can get is that big IRS bill that comes in the mail at the unexpected time. So give us a call at 815-399-9806 uh, or at pathfinderchat.com for a 15-minute complimentary phone conversation. We can kind of give you some hints on, on how to go with this. Yeah, you know, assuming the farm property is free and clear. I continue paying your house payment the way you were unless you were using the rental income to pay your mortgage. It all depends on her mortgage, you know, the rates, you know, some right now, right now people are reluctant to sell their home, you know, with a mortgage mm -hmm. and buy another, you know, when they had a 3% rate, they, they're going to be paying double that, you know, five or maybe even 6%. But I'm with you, Phil, I'm a proponent of always investing large sums of money. And if it's done right, I mean, that could change her life. So, you know, we have to know more about this for sure. Yeah, well, I always recommend following up um, to get a full kind of review of your situation and a, and a good answer from Barbara and Phil. All right. Thank you for that question, Jacqueline. We do appreciate that. Lillian is next. I'm considering working with a new financial advisor, but only with half of my money. I want to keep the other half with a different advisor. Since you're a neutral third party without a vested interest, 
I'm hoping you can confirm that this is a good idea since I'd be able to get advice from multiple people. <laughs> well, this is a good question. Uh, to begin with, I'd ask you, Lillian, why were you looking for another advisor to begin with? I'm assuming that's what you were doing. Generally, if people are happy with their advisor, they aren't talking to other advisors. So is there something that you're missing or did something go wrong? I would suggest figuring out what you currently aren't happy with and seek that out, uh, you know, that you might be missing. Um, you should listen to their investment philosophies. If you're going to talk with other investment advisors, make sure that they're in alignment with yours, uh, whether they can help you with things like income planning, social security, tax planning, estate planning, and what if any of those areas are important to you. And then decide on one. The reason that I say this is that you will always be in comparison mode with your investments because that's going to be the deciding factor. You know, we just, we, we know this and they'll never, ever equal the same outcomes every year. And also you have to be aware of required minimum distributions when that time comes, if you haven't already begun, and then you're going to have both places to be concerned about because uh, inevitably you are responsible for your required minimum distributions. And we also don't know if you're still working. That makes a big difference. Mm -hmm. So give us a call and we can help answer some of those questions at 815-399-9806 or at pathfinderchat.com for a 15-minute phone call. We'd love to talk to you. You know, Barb, I've actually, I thought about this as you were speaking. And a few years ago, I actually had this happen. We had a client come in that uh, uh, actually had three or four different advisors. I mean, it was, it was a, and, I've seen and that. yeah, his, his portfolio was a hodgepodge. And uh, he didn't know who to believe. He didn't know who to go to. He was totally confused. And I was number five uh, in the confusion mix at that yep, point. It you know, been a nightmare. Yep. Yeah, yeah. And and so I mean, who do you believe at that point? And so I always say, you know, the the ship only has one captain. I agree. You, you've got to have somebody who can steer. You know, if you don't feel comfortable with that advisor, get a new captain for that ship. But but just get one captain for the ship and and leave it go. Yeah, it's a trust issue, I believe. And, you know, yep. do you really, do you feel like you can trust both? I mean, I don't know about that. I, I don't know. know. What happens if you get conflicting, you know, That advice? would be the biggest thing. Yeah. Yeah, that's the problem. Yeah. It's a good question, Lillian. I appreciate you sending it in to us. We thank you for that. Sally is up next. Says, I'm, I'm retiring next month, and it occurs to me that I don't really know where my income is going to come from. I'll have Social Security, but that won't be enough to live on. Should I just start withdrawing from my 401k next month when the paychecks stop? Yeah, Sally, you know, you don't don't think yourself really unusual here. A lot of people wait to the very last minute before they do retirement planning. Mm -hmm. And uh, so the one thing I would I would advise you about is don't don't push the panic button. You know, it's uh, it's evident that you're going to need some kind of help in evaluating your situation. And a qualified advisor should be able to give you the independent guidance to help you identify these various sources of income and how much you can realistically expect during your retirement years. That's very important. So you have the income identified. And then the question is, how is it invested so that it can provide that ongoing expectant income that you need? So ideally, the investments uh, you select uh, for your 401k or your IRA plan plus Social Security should be able to provide you enough income so you live comfortably. That's That's the goal. At the same time, your investments must be allocated in such a way and put to work in the in the manner that they will be able to grow to cover both increases due to number one inflation and number two longevity we've talked about that so one word of caution is needed though be very wary and careful about the advisors who size up things very quickly and recommend a product that will provide for all your needs mm -hmm. everything that ails you and unfortunately we we've run across some of these folks from time to time 
you know, where they got caught up in kind of a financial trap, a product trap. And uh, though these products might have their place in the financial toolbox, they're often sold as a centerpiece of a plan, and uh, there might be some very unfortunate consequences. So, uh, Sally, I would recommend you uh, you select a qualified fiduciary to help you. And if you don't have one, give us a call at 815-399-9806 or go to pathfinderchat.com and uh, register for a 15-minute complimentary 15-minute consultation, and we can steer you in the right direction. Yeah, or, you know, even uh, maybe she can even delay Social Security. You know, is she is she married? Is she single? I guess those yep. are some of the things that we don't know. Uh, I assume that Sally hasn't talked with a financial advisor, or if she has, it's not. It's been quite a long time. It sounds like it. But if retiring next month, like you said, Phil, I would see a retirement sp- planning specialist as soon as possible. Now, just a word of caution, Sally. Too uh, be careful when applying for Social Security if you're under retirement age, full retirement age. In other words. If you're 62 up until your full Social Security retirement age, you cannot stop the benefit if you wish you hadn't started, uh, you know, collecting. So that can be messy and we can help you with that. As Phil mentioned, reach out to us at PathfinderChat.com and we'd be happy to talk to you. All right. One last question for you today here on the podcast, Barbara and Phil. It comes in from Thomas. He says, I was recently diagnosed with an incurable disease. So I'm retiring at 53 to spend as much time as possible with my wife and college age son, because I just don't know how much time I have left. I have some life insurance, but what else do I need to think about to make sure my family is in good shape financially after I'm gone? I'm sorry to hear that, Thomas. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Thomas, I'm sorry to hear about your diagnosis. Uh, well, good questions to think about to make sure that your family is taken care of a number of considerations. And you said you have some life insurance, but we don't know what that means in terms of paying off your mortgage if you have one um, or paying your for your son's college education if you were planning on doing so. If you have a Social Security benefit, your wife can claim that as a widow as early as age 60 with some restrictions. And do you have a retirement plan or a pension? And does your wife work? Will your son be living with you? And if so, is his college paid for? And what are your plans for that? Then when uh, you have the answers to some of those questions, you know, then then we need to look at estate planning. So there's about five things to consider. And first of all, number one, gather all your documents, your statements, and your life insurance, and those need to be reviewed. And secondly, set up a trust or will if you haven't. POAs, your powers of attorney for property and health care, they address incapacity. Those are very important documents along with an estate plan. If you already have an estate plan, have it reviewed. Now would be a good time to have it reviewed. And third, and this is one of the most important, is update all beneficiary forms. And number four, make sure your wife has all your logins and passwords. Bill, this just happened with a client of mine recently. Her yep. husband unexpectedly went to an assisted living. He won't be coming home. And she's going through a nightmare right now because he paid all bills and everything online. So sure. she's she's pretty lost right there. So make sure that your wife has all your logins and passwords. And number five, consider making final arrangements. I know there's a lot here that I'm talking about, but it'd be more work and stress for your family if you didn't take care of some of the above before, you know, this actually happens. Well, you know, I want to add something something very important to that too, Barb. I think what you, what you said is just really essential, but, but something that would help uh, Thomas, you know, during this, this sad time is spend some time to find a qualified advisor Somebody he can trust. Oh, absolutely. To help put all this stuff together. Yep. Sure. Uh, and and this person has to be trusted not only with what uh, Thomas is going to share with him, but also to aid and help that that widow you when bet. the time comes. And we have been in that spot many, many times. 
And, uh, you know, if, if things were set up properly and we're helping that client along the widow, um, you know, there's a great deal of, of, uh, gratitude on the part of, of the client at that point that it's been done well and, and decently. Yeah, that's a very good point. So Thomas, if you don't have a financial advisor, like Phil said, seek one out and, you know, then both of you would need to make those, those appointments right. too. We, we usually, we usually request that we pretty much demand that we meet with both spouses, uh, you know, the spouse, if, if you're married, because, uh, now yeah. the wife will be making those decisions and you also want to make sure that she can get, she gets along with that person too. Yeah. I can remember where I sat down actually with the family and uh, with the, with the dad, he was on his deathbed and uh, reviewing all the things that we had done over the previous couple of years with that family. Mm-hmm. And I know that he felt so much peace and comfort to know that everything was put together properly and it, and it, and it went well from a financial standpoint for that family. So uh, you know, how can you put a, a dollar amount on something like that? Right. It, it can't I'll be trust. measured. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It was, so there was so much gratitude in that for, for the family and um, for us that we just, uh, it, it was a, it was a touching time for me. Yeah. That true. That too. Mm. Hey, because we care about our clients. So, yes. Yeah. Well, we'll be thinking about you, Thomas, but we do appreciate you reaching out and, uh, and asking that question and we wish you all the best. All right, we well, thank you all for sending in questions today here on the podcast. If you have questions for Barbara and Phil, you want to ask them directly, there's two ways to do it. The best is just log on, pathfinderchat.com. You can schedule a meeting there. But you can also call the office directly at 815-399-9806. All right, Barbara and Phil, thanks again for your time today as always. And again, I encourage anyone that has questions about Secure Act 2.0 to check in with you. Yep. Mm-hmm. Thank you, listeners. Information is for illustrative purposes only and does not constitute tax, investment, or legal advice. Always consult with a qualified investment, legal, or tax professional before taking any action.